right. Oh. It's been a great getting to know Joe and his family. Just been, he's been a tremendous asset to us as far as just in our meetings, as far as helping us with different things. So let me pray. We'll jump into God's word this morning. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness and how it speaks to us, how it encourages us and challenges us. I pray, God, as we look at uh, these verses this morning that are just really rich and powerful, God, that you would teach us with your spirit, lead and guide. May my words be your words, God, that words that, are, that would come across not as a man's power or man's giftedness in any way, but as power of the Holy Spirit through the living word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, let me ask you a question. How do you start your day? And I start my sermon by needing that clock to go because I'll just like go, what the heck, where am I? Um, so how do you start your day? How do you start your day? Because the reality is that the way we start our day, more, really more specifically, the things we allow our minds to dwell on from the beginning, from, I mean, from the moment we wake up, really what happens is they not only impact how we will respond to things throughout the day, but it has an impact on our overall life. Have you ever had that happen before? You wake up in a certain mood and you dwell on things and you stay there and it kind of lasts throughout the day. That's what we're going to talk about this morning because here's something interesting I found this week. Studies show that when people begin their day in a positive mood, it increases their chances of remaining happy as the day progresses. And studies have also shown that people who express gratitude about their lives feel more optimistic and happy about their lives overall. I mean, you've probably heard that about like the blue group and different people like that and the, the people that uh, live past 100 and things like that. One of the big things about their life is they have a positive reason for them living, a positive outlook on, li on, their, on life. These, these, these studies also show that these same people tend to visit the doctor less as well. Isn't that interesting? Which really proves that indeed there is a link between our attitude and our physical health. Now, here's the thing. These are secular studies, okay? These are purely secular studies. Just think about the impact of us starting our day with the proper mindset about who we are in Christ. I mean, think about how, how that would impact us about what is actually ours and what is true about us as redeemed and forgiven and completely loved children of God. Think of the impact of what that would have every day. Well, this morning what we're going to do is we're still, gonna take, we're still taking a little break from, from Acts. Because this is something that really has hit me recently and something that I'm really, really this sermon, you don't even need to listen. This is for me. Thank you. <laughs> this is for me. I'm going through a really, really, really difficult and dark time right now in my own life. I'm really struggling, but I'm finding that God is so faithful. And if I stay in his word, if I stay spending time with him and allow, inviting him into my pain, inviting him into my struggle, that he's so faithful. Not to necessarily go, poof, it's gone. But I'm realizing what I'm learning more and more and more, what I need, what we need as followers of Jesus more than anything is his presence. 
We need his presence in our lives. Now I'm learning that's what I'm doing during this time in my life is leaning into that because it's really what, what else am I going to do? I'm not going to throw in the towel. It's tempting. We don't want to do that. Don't want to do that. So this morning what we're going to do is we're going to look at a psalm that has really just hit me recently. And really what it does, it gives us a template for the kind of mindset that we should have for starting, have starting the moment that we open our eyes in the morning that will not only greatly impact our day, but ultimately impact the overall quality of our lives. Now, the psalm we're looking at this morning, it's a royal song of thanksgiving that when it was originally, it was originally sung, actually, this psalm was sung in the context of a great procession to commemorate God's goodness and his deliverance from uh, delivering evil, um, delivering Israel from evil and from war, okay? Yet in general, what happened to this psalm, it became a call to worship used to celebrate God's goodness in the future hope that is found in him. Not, oh, you just did something there, but the hope that is found. My hope is built on nothing less. That's what this psalm really is helping us to see. It's a psalm that as we learn to ponder the significance, it's meant to help us live. Now get this, this song is meant to help us to live in confidence that is inspired by the victory that Jesus has already achieved. Okay? As you tell us, if you're looking at your notes, you've cheated already, you see that it's Psalm 118. This is a great, wonderful psalm. This was actually Martin Luther's favorite psalm. Look what, look what Martin Luther says about this song. He says, this is my psalm, my chosen psalm. I love them all. I love all Holy Scripture, which is my consolation of my, and my life. But this psalm is nearest my heart, and I have a peculiar right to call it mine. It has saved me from many a pressing danger from which nor emperor, nor king, nor sages, nor saints could have saved me. It is my friend, dearer to me than all the honors and powers of this earth. All right. So maybe it's worth looking at Psalm 118. So let's dive into this rich psalm. And we see, what we're going to see is that it begins with a summons or a, a call for really this communal praise, okay? Look at Psalm 118, verse 1 says this, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his steadfast love endures forever. You getting a theme? You seeing a theme here? What the psalmist is doing is he's calling for praise to the Lord for his everlasting and for his loyal love. And what he does, he calls out different people, okay? First, he begins by calling for the laity or, or the people that are basically the non-priests that, who serve the Lord. And he's telling them, you guys, give thanks to the Lord. Then he moves to the priests. Priests, give thanks to the Lord. Then he moves to everybody. Every, hey, everybody, join in. This is for all of us. Number one on your notes, this is a wonderful template for how to start each day. 
a wonderful template for how to start each day. Well, someone hand Jeremiah some notes. Okay. <laughs> uh, a wonderful template with praise and thanksgiving to the Lord for his everlasting, never-ending, loyal love towards us. This is a great way to start our day. Just think how that can impact the rest of our day. Instead of waking up in the morning, you know, uh, ruminating over the problems or the difficulties that we anticipate that that day holds. Like, I know none of you do, but I do. Okay, sometimes. You know, you wake up and boom, that lingering thing or whatever it is we're going through, and we, and we ruminate over it and we think about it and we dwell in it and we marinate in it. And what, it starts to have an impact on how we're going we're gonna to see the rest of our day. It puts us in this negative mindset to start off. But instead, we begin by thanking the Lord for his enduring love for us. What an incredible tone this sets for the rest of our day. This is a tone that it's not just, and I'm not talking just positive thinking. This isn't just positive thinking. Life isn't bad. Life isn't bad. Like, no, that's not it. Life is hard. It's not just positive thinking, but it's positive truth that has the power to change the way that we see our day. It can totally change the way we see our day. It's knowing that no matter what this day holds, no matter what's going to happen, I am loved by God. And that love will never end. It's always there. I am loved by God. So that's what he's saying in this first section here. Now what we're going to see is the psalmist, whom we can assume this is a king. It's probably King David. He's bearing witness to God's help in answer to his prayer in time of crisis. Look at verse 5. It says, out of my distress, I called on the Lord, and the Lord answered me and set me free. Now, first of all, before we go any further, I want to say that oftentimes we look at these things and say, see, the psalmist prayed, and instantly things were taken care of. We need to not assume that. Okay, don't, we don't need to not assume that I called out in distress, boom, okay, thank you, that's how it works. This could have been months, if not years, of calling out in distress, okay? And the Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side, I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All nations surrounded me. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me, surrounded me on every side. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I love this. They surrounded me like bees. <laughs> they surrounded me like they, they went, ah, God. They went all out like fire among the thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I was pushed hard so that I was falling. But the Lord helped me. So the psalmist is doing two things here, okay? What he's doing is he's declaring his trust in God alone for help in times of his distress. Only you can help me, God. And he's also then celebrating the Lord's deliverance due to calling on his name. It's in God that he takes refuge or finds hope when things look hopeless, when things don't look like they're going to turn out at all in a positive way. 
Not, he's not, not going to trust in his resources or anything that man can provide because he knows, he knows that anything human, any human resources are going to pale in comparison to God's resources. That's trust. That is faith. I want that. <laughs> Don't you want that? Don't you just crave that? I, w- I want that so badly. And I think this was the pattern of his life was learning to say, I can't trust. And I, I, we're, we, we outnumber these guys, whatever. We'll take care of things. Or I've got this. Or I can handle this. I have the skill to overcome this. He's saying, I'm not going to do that. I refuse to do that. I refuse because it's only in God. In this case, it's these insurmountable odds. And we see here, despite that there's the odds are against them, prayerful trust in the powerful name of the Lord is what ultimately led to his victory. Now, here's the interesting thing. The, really, the truth is that God often uses trials in our lives. To, I didn't say he throws them at us. He uses trials in our lives to show us our need for him so that we will pray. So often he says, okay, this is what's going on. Either you allowed it to happen or it's just evil, whatever it is, whatever it is, here's the deal. Use this opportunity to need me to have to see, I need you more than anything, and to pray. That's where I am in my life right now. I could easily say, oh, this, I just feel so lost, so because I'm so whatever, drained or whatever. Okay, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue, continue to pray. Because what else do we have? <laughs> what else do we have? Okay, what the psalmist is doing here, he's also, he's reflecting on what he has learned and what trusting, what through trusting in God and not in human means. And what this means for this guy and what it means for us as well is fear can actually give way to God's overcoming in our life. That's the cool thing about it. We can be scared. We can be fearful. But as we come to him, as we give him our burdens, as we trust in him, we can be assured that he and his timing will overcome. This is a great lesson for us, you guys, a wonderful lesson, especially as we try in the Bay Area in 2020 to live the life of obedience to the Lord, which is not easy. The truth is that living by faith can be a scary thing. It really can. Number two on your notes. The reality is that living by faith in and in obedience to the Lord requires death. It requires death to our own selfish desires and often a willingness to face our fears of failure, loss, or rejection. Oftentimes, that's what stepping out in faith and trusting the Lord is going to, we're going to have to do. It's a life that we're, we're willing to do things, we're, we're willing to go out of our way, no matter the cost. Here's a few ideas. No matter the cost to, to love and to care for someone in need. How easy it is for us to ignore other people's needs in order to take care of our own. And we think we're being so good at doing that, but oftentimes we don't do it because it's, it would cause us possible loss or fear or I, what happened, what about my needs, okay? It's be willing to sacrifice our wants and our desires in order to live a life of purity. 
Say, I'm not going to look at that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to think of that way. I'm going to invite God into the struggles I'm having with that, whether it's pornography or whether it's lust or whether it's, you know, it's having sex outside of marriage, whatever it is. That we're going to invite the Lord into that and also learning to be content with what we have. That's not, this is not easy stuff. The writer of Hebrews totally understood this too. He totally understood this. And he even echoed this very psalm, the psalm when he wrote about the importance of living a life that is pleasing to God, knowing that there's going to be sacrifice and death to our own selfish desires involved. Check this out. Look at, look at Hebrews chapter. You don't have to turn to it. But Hebrews, I didn't even put that reference down. I don't know where it is. It's in Hebrews. Trust me. <laughs> he says, let brotherly love Continue, continue. And I highlighted a few of those things. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. Obviously, it wasn't, it's not always easy to show hospitality to strangers. For thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Remember those who are in prison. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them. And those who are mistreated, since you are also in the body. There's another. Let marriage be held in honor among all. And let marriage, the marriage bed, be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Keep your life free from the love of money. Be content with what you have. For as he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? This is why it's so important to not only start our day by praising the Lord for his everlasting and never-ending and loyal love towards us. But number three, he says, but by declaring our trust in him alone. Our trust in him alone, that our joy will be determined not by our circumstances, but by his faithfulness. By remembering that Jesus has ultimately achieved victory for us. Now you're thinking, okay, God, that just just sounds like, okay, spiritual spiritual gobbledygook that I'm going to be saying these things. But think of the reverse of that. Oh my gosh, this day, I can't believe what I have to deal with already today. Oh, I can't believe I, that's going gonna... to... There's, there's another reality that has a powerful, can have a powerful hold on us versus saying, you know what? I'm having a hard time with, but I'm going to trust you, Lord, through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to trust in you alone today to get me through Today, I'm going to be victorious. I love what 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says. It says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us victory, victory over death and the forgiveness of our sins. And, and ultimately, this, we have victory because we have reconciliation with, to God, literally making. You know, that what, you know what being reconciled to God makes us? literally makes us his beloved son and daughter. That's the victory that we have. But it's also this ongoing victory in our daily battles that we face through the suffering and the struggles we go through against our sin and our, and our, and our doubt and our fears. 
That's the victory that Jesus gives us. Now, once again, this is where people bail out of the Christian life. It's like, well, I prayed yesterday and nothing happened. We live in such a, you know, darn that McDonald's. Once they, once they, they taught us back in the 50s that, boom, you can have it right away. Everything went downhill from there. <laughs> and we live in that culture, don't we? I want my information now. I want this peace now. I want this situation solved now. But then we miss out on the victory of understanding how Jesus works in our lives, how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. It's victory that enables us to do what the Apostle Paul told us to do. He said this in Corinthians. Look what he says in Corinthians uh, chapter 1. He says, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. This is the victory that he gives us. Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. And he has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of our sins. That is victory. And that's the mindset that we need to constantly remind ourselves. Okay, I had that mindset on Sunday after Rob talked about it, but I, what do I do to get it back? But keep reminding, keep reminding, keep reminding, keep talking to ourselves, telling ourselves what we have. And I will reveal the punchline already a little bit here, but this is why we need to be in God's word on a regular basis. Listening to sermons are great. Listening to podcasts are great. All that stuff is great, but there's nothing that replaces being in and reading God's word because it's living and it's active. And if you think you're going to grow as a believer by not being in it, you've been fooled. No guilt trips, all right? All right. In order to come to truly believe that we have victory over the power of sin and death, we need to remind ourselves on a daily basis concerning this truth of victory in Christ. I don't know about you. I do not naturally wake up going, oh, victory in Jesus. I do not wake up that way. I just don't. I just wake up. Oh, that's right. So see how it's, a, it's work. We need, to, we need to ask. We need to press into that stuff. All right, now we see the psalmist. What he's doing now is he responds to God's acting. He's responding to how God acted with praise and celebration. Look at verse 14. He says, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. And the Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. Here's what the psalmist is doing here. First of all, what he's actually doing is he's starting off by repeating a line that is actually from a song that Moses sang in Exodus 15 after God delivered Israel from the Egyptians at the Red Sea. And he, like Moses, is declaring that the Lord is the one who saves him. What he's literally doing, he's going on this boasting rant, okay? He's going to boast about God. He's boasting. This is my God who did this. 
It's my God who delivered me. It wasn't anything else. God delivered me from this. This is my God who provided for me out of his position of power. That right hand of God, that's a position of of power. And what I'm going to do, I am going to praise him. I'm going to praise him. And here's the truth, number four on your notes. The truth is our prayer life should be infused with praise and worship, even with singing to God. I don't know about you, but it's easy for me. My temptation is to want, when I'm praying, is to want to go right to what I need. And I don't think God gets mad at us for doing that. Sometimes the only prayer that I can even pray sometimes, and literally lately, in these last couple months, has meant, uh, God help. <laughs> I need some help here. And that's okay. God says, all right. <laughs> Thanks for reaching out. That's what I, that is what I'm here for. The psalmist says that here that the Lord is his strength, I love this, and his song. Have you ever had anything happen in your life or an emotion or anything come up and you maybe want to or maybe even you do just break out in song? I mean, that's the, the natural response in our bodies and in our minds and our lives is sometimes we just want to sing. I just, I just gave that, you know, look at all, these, look at all the, the, the rage has been over the last couple decades of these cartoons, Disney cartoons of singing you know, of all these, you know, they're, sing- they're even singing about when they're sad, you know. Uh, do you want to build a snowman? You know, things like that, you know. <laughs> you know? But then, that when, then they always, with the last couple songs, is always this burst, isn't it? And just amazing, they burst out in song. And why does that resonate so much with us? That's how we're made. Disney. Mm. I was just there. Happiest place on earth. They get it. They get it that singing is a powerful way of expressing how we're feeling inside. Sad, mad, upset, listen to some good punk rock or rock. You'll hear the, uh, the angst, but also the joy. And that's what he's saying. That he's my song. If I'm going to sing about anything, I'm going to sing about him. And since God saved us by his mighty power, not only from our sins, but from death, we should continually be lifting our eyes to heaven and praising him for his strength. I told you this before. Oftentimes I do this. I go up on Higgins Trail, put my ear pods in and, go and, listen and, and look like an idiot. Why, you know, just like, oh, sometimes I'm crying, sometimes I'm lifting my hands as I'm walking on, oh, hey, hi, sorry. You know, and just, you know, because I have to, because I know that if I, that's going to be so healing, that's going to be a healing balm for me. It's going to be so good for me. I need to do this. And that's what this, that's what he's saying here. And we pray, and here's, here's the simple thing. We praise the Lord when we say things like, you're my God and I praise you. I'm going to boast in you, God. I'm going to boast in you right now. I'm going to let the spiritual world know that you are God, okay? I'm boasting in you. There's no one like you. There's no one as great as you. No one as good as you. No one as glorious as you. I worship you. That's what we should be doing. That kind of thing. He deserves it. But not only does he deserve it, it changes us when we do that. 
It gives us the perspective that we need in order to be victorious like he says we can be. And notice in verse, verse 19, we see that the psalmist, he's approaching, what's happening here? He's approaching the temple gates and basically what he's saying, he's saying is, let me in so I can worship. I got to get in there. Like a little kid, go, I, I, I got to go. You know, I, let me in. And that's what he's saying. I want to worship. I got to get in there and I got to worship God. I got to enter the holy place and I need to worship. Can you imagine if we came to church on a Sunday morning with that kind of attitude? Can you imagine what it would be like in here if we came at Lee, get out of my way. I got to get in. I, I can't wait. Chris, fire it up, man. Let's go. Can you imagine how that would change? What, think about how different our worship would look. I'm not saying our worship looks bad at all. Now it's great. But just think if we had that mentality, we came in, I got to get in there. I got to worship God with his people. I just got to do it. That changes us, doesn't it? It totally changes us. Now, we get, now what we're going to do is we get a glimpse of this whole tremendous worship procession as it enters into the temple court, okay? Look at this last section here. It says, this is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. And the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is a marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God. It is he who made his light to shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords up, the, up to the horns of the altar. You are my God and I will give thanks to you. You are my God. I extol you. And he ends his whole psalm by saying, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. You see where this mindset of this guy is? You see where he is at? We see here that this procession enters the temple gates and the psalmist acknowledges that the Lord's salvation and he acknowledges his, his, his own transition from humiliation to honor. I was humiliated. They were humiliating me because of what, who you are and the victory in you. I am now I am now honored. By the way, if you notice that, if you recognize that verse, this quote in verse 22, and, uh, Jesus actually quotes it in chapter 21 of Matthew by referring to himself, remember, as the stone that the builders rejected. Same idea here is referring to his humiliating death on a cross, yet becoming the cornerstone or the ultimate exaltation by being seated at the right hand of the Father. He was humiliated, spit on, but that led, in trusting his father, that led to ultimate exaltation. See, at the right hand of the father, the position of power. And he acknowledges that this is the day of deliverance and salvation and that it's solely the Lord's doing. He created it. So what he's going to say, the logical response to this is he's going to rejoice and he's going to give Jesus, give God, give God the worship that he is due. Just think. Think about the impact that it would have on our lives if we started every day by acknowledging the victory in Jesus that is already ours. 
and we determine in our hearts that that day will be a day of rejoicing in that truth. I've done this for decades now, and I don't know where I got it, and don't know why I started. For decades, most days of the week, I wake up and say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Not because that's what pastors should do. It's because I know I'm doomed. <laughs> I'm doomed up here, especially if I don't start my day by recognizing this is your day. There's victory in it already for me. You did the work already. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to be glad about that. And I love the way we see the psalmist. He ends this thing the exact same way that he began. He ends it the same way, praising his never-ending loyal love. If you ever want to look it up, I don't want to take the time with it. This really mirrors my favorite psalm, my Psalm 100. It speaks a lot of this. If you want to go look that up later, I would encourage you to do it. It's my favorite psalm. In my 20s, I said it was going to be on my epitaph, so we don't want, that's kind of weird, so we're not going to talk about that. But... Um, <laughs> It's an incredible psalm. So here's what I want to do. I want to end here by asking you this. Asking you again, how do you start your day? How do you start your day? Do you start with being thankful for the Lord's goodness, his everlasting, never-ending, loyal love by acknowledging the victory in Jesus that we already have, that's already ours and rejoicing in that truth? Or do we do this? Do we start our day, once again, by ruminating over all the things we're going to face that day. That sure is my temptation to go there. Truth is, number five on your notes, we have a choice. We have a choice as to how our day will go, as to whether we will be ruled by the various circumstances we encounter or by the confidence that is inspired by the victory we have in Jesus. It's a choice. What this ultimately means, like I said, the punchline here is that we must be intentionally spending time with God every day. Somehow, each day. Something I know that is a struggle for many of us. It's hard. It's difficult. We're in a spiritual battle. The truth is, last one on your notes, number six, if we're going to experience all that God has for us in terms of the victory that is ours in Jesus, then regular time with him is essential. What I like to do, I was contemplating not doing it, but I'm going to do it. Uh, I want to play a video for you guys that I'm hoping uh, encourages you in striving to make spending regular time with the Lord a priority. Just so you know, I struggle with it. I struggle with it. It's hard. But I've learned to put a pattern together. I've learned to do, be disciplined to make sure that I don't, like, I don't look at my phone before I look at the Word in the morning. Different things like that that I've had to force myself to do that weren't easy and still is hard to do. But knowing that's what I need. Now, this is a simple video. It's about 10 minutes long, though. Okay, so we'll take, this will take up our discussion time probably. But it's just video clips and different things that have movies out there with Joyce Myers. Many of you know who Joyce Myers is. Uh, she's speaking in the background. So I want you guys, just, let's just watch it and listen to this and just let it soak in a little bit. Maybe we'll talk about it. Maybe we won't. In what way have you, or what ways... But we have that question up there, Scott. In what ways have you experienced the impact of spending regular time with God? Now, once again, this is like last time. This is about a boasting thing about, yeah, I have a quiet time and check me out. No. 
how have you experienced in the past or you're experiencing even now? Because I think it's good for us that the redeemed of the Lord say so. <laughs> we need to talk about stuff that God is doing in our life. Anybody have anything? Yeah? Okay. so good. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Anything else? What you've experienced just in, in the impact of spending regular time with the Lord has been? Yeah, and your life is perfect now, right? No, see, yeah, but that, but yeah, but yeah, see the peace that, but we get to, we still in the midst of it, there's this peace that's there that doesn't make sense, <laughs> but then again, it does, right? Yeah, so good. Yeah. 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 Yeah, 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 I, I get pretty much more every morning about me, so yeah, I get that, yeah, I get that. Anything else, anybody else, anything you've experienced from past times when regular time in the Lord or just what you're experiencing? Totally, yeah, exactly, it's like a, like a friend, yeah, same thing, yeah, yeah, Buck. Awesome. That's great. That's great, Buck. That's great. I, I know for me, I, I told you, I'm, I'm, I am going through a difficult time right now, but I think what's sustaining me that is one is people in my life, but the, which is very important, but also um, recognizing that being, because it'd be easy to say, oh gosh, uh, things will get better or things change once, you know, I'll get in God's word when it fits kind of the whole, no. I'm realizing that's the thing that's sustaining me. That's the thing that's giving me life. It's the thing that gets me through. Does it still hard? Yeah. Am I still consequences to my difficult? Yes. But like, it's peace. There's a joy that I can't explain that I have to wrestle with because there's not always as much joy as I like. But it's enough. It is enough. Uh, this is a great time now to transition as we go into communion. Why don't you come on up? And um, <clears throat> we're going to we're going to take a little time as this is a great time to remember and we do when we do communion remember Jesus said the bread the wine in our case the juice do this in remembrance of yourself no of me <laughs> remember me in the midst of all this go ahead go ahead Elias you know remember what I the victory that you have in me even the victory to even start maybe spending time, regular time with me. For some of us, that's a, that, that's a major victory. So I just want to encourage you during this time as you take your time, as you come on up whenever it feels right for you, 
to come on up, grab a cup and the piece of bread, and you can take it up here, take it back to your seat. Um, there'll be people over here to pray for you, to, be, to take that advantage of that, please. But let this be a time where you soak in who Jesus is, who you are in Jesus as a follower, as his follower. Father God, we're thankful for your grace and your goodness, and we just relish in the fact that there's victory for us in Jesus. Pray for all of us that you would help us to, to learn what it means to truly walk with you daily um, as we fight the battles we fight, God. It's your son's name we pray. Amen.